Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. Amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Hot lava. Faith to navigate the unknown. If I could draw your attention to verse 9 and 10 and verse 12, where Paul says, and it's a familiar passage of Scripture, Paul says, yeah, see, we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. For now we see, verse 12, for now we see as a reflection in a mirror. King James Version says, now we see as in a glass darkly. Now we see as in a reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. When I was a kid, I grew up in the city of Boston, and there was a program that my mother put me in. I was the oldest and ended up putting all of my siblings in. It was a, it was a program called METCO in the city of Boston where I grew up. And, and in essence, the program was about busing inner city African-American children out to the suburbs to get a better education. When you're looking at me, you are looking at someone that was actually a part of the desegregation of schools just shows us how we're not that far away from when the country was still extremely divided and when African-American people, my people at least, were seen as second-class citizens, a, pers- a, 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 a consistent underclass was who we were, and we weren't even allowed to go to school with one another. It was such a recent thing that you are looking at somebody that was a part of the busing that was a part of desegregation. Do I look old to you? It just helps us to know that we haven't come as far as we need to. And we still have a ways to go because we just haven't been on the journey that long. But, but anyway, I, I went to this, this suburban school and got this education from the first grade to the sixth grade in this school. I was one of the first black kids they'd ever seen. People wanted to touch me, touch my skin, touch my hair. They had never had an interaction with a black person. And they, they believed all the stereotypes. And I, I don't, I'm, that's not my point. I'm not trying to go there. But it's just a part of my experience. and something I think that we need to keep in mind. But anyway, in that suburban school, it was the first time I had ever been in the woods kind of interesting that now I live in, the, in North Carolina, I live in the country, and I hunt and kill deer, and I got deer head in my office and deer head in my house and got a truck and got some guns because, in a sense, 
It's kind of funny how God will use things, but the desire to be in the forest, the desire to be in the woods, the desire to go hunting, that stuff got sold into me in the first grade, in the second grade, in the third grade, in the fourth grade. Somehow, I got interested in that wood life, and one of my favorite things to do was to cross streams. I loved it. I loved getting to a place where there, you're trying to get to the other side and you're looking to see where am I going to put my foot next. I, I, I really don't know what step to take. I'm looking at that thing. I don't know if it's going to hold me up. I'm looking at that. I don't know how solid that is. And I, I, it was something I love to do. I love to kind of jump to a thing in which I got to kind of catch my balance and figure out and then look to see, okay, where am I going to jump to next so that I can get to the other side of where I'm supposed to be? Now, if you didn't have that experience, if that wasn't something that you had in your life, maybe you can relate to this. When I was a kid, we used to play this game called Hot Lava. I don't know if anybody in here played hot lava as a kid. Not too many hands. I don't know if you played it around the world. But hot lava was basically a game in which you pretended. These are way too far apart. And basically, you basically pretended. Yeah, push this thing close. You pretended it was that the floor. Okay, you ain't got to bring it down close. That, that the floor was hot lava. So you up on the couches. Now, I know there's a whole lot of you that are thinking, there's no way my mom would ever let us stand on no couch because our couch was covered with plastic. But we didn't play this when mom was around. <laughs> this was a game you got in trouble for playing. But what we did is you're up on the couch and the floor is lava. And you put pillows and stuff down and you got to go from a pillow. I know somebody's just... Put all your phones down. Don't take no You got to go from a pillow to another pillow. I'm not going to jump. Help us, Holy Ghost. And then to get back to the place to be because you're trying to figure out how you're going to get from one place to the next. And you can't touch the floor. And you're playing this game. One of my favorite activities in gym when I was in elementary school was the obstacle course. On flat ground, I wasn't the fastest, but something happened when you put obstacles in front of me. The obstacles that slowed the fast people down gave me the opportunity to catch up and make up ground since I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't necessarily the fastest, but I was determined that no obstacle was going to stop me from getting to the place that I know I needed to be. I don't know who I'm talking to or preaching to, but I had a way of doing a better time with obstacles than I did with nothing on the ground. What is the point that I'm trying to make this morning? The point I'm trying to make is that these are pictures of life. This is life. 
Paul says here in these verses that we know in part and we prophesy in part. I know it's Pentecost Sunday. I wore white and I know we're expecting some Holy Ghost message and I hear you. I'm preaching on faith by the Holy Ghost. There you go. But, but Paul is saying, yeah, you know what? Your knowledge is partial. Whatever you're standing on right now that you think you know is partial. One of the reasons why you're here in church, one of the reasons why you're tuning and watching is because you come to the place in which you understand that your knowledge has a limit to it. No matter how much you know, you end up realizing there's more to know. No matter how much information you get through your smartphone, you still realize there's still so much to know. Your knowledge is partial. You have to have a prayer life. You gotta worship God. You have to love the Lord. You have to have some respect for the kingdom because you have to admit that there is a possibility that God knows something you don't know. There is an arrogance to our current time. An arrogance to our current culture. It's not just that we're not used to going to church. It's that we're not used to anybody challenging our thought process. We're not used to God saying, yeah, but that's not the way to go. We're not used to sitting forward and anybody telling us nothing. We barely have parents that tell us anything. Our parents are trying to be our friend. And so the last thing we want is to sit forward and for someone to look at us and say to us, maybe you don't know. Maybe your knowledge is partial. Maybe the goal that you set for yourself is an impartial goal. Maybe the idea that you've had for your life is an impartial idea, meaning it's not complete. And you got to get in the presence of God, and you got to get some worship, and you got to get some Bible, and you got to get some prayer so that you can get some thoughts in your head besides just yours. And some thoughts in your head besides just your societies or your cultures. And some thoughts in your head because you acknowledge that your knowledge is in part. That you don't talk so big like you know everything. And you acknowledge that your knowledge is in part. But Paul says not only is your knowledge in part. Your prophecy is in part. Now, part of the mistake that we made in the church, which has caused some of the lack of confidence in the spirit, is that we made it seem like our knowledge is partial and our prof prophecy is perfect. Or our knowledge is partial, but everything in church and every word we think we hear from God or everything that we do in a spiritual sense is complete. When the Apostle Paul, writing about the Spirit in essence, says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect 
comes, all of this imperfect or imperfect will be done away with. And when I was a child, I thought like a child, and I talked like a child, and I reasoned like a child. And when I became an adult, when I became mature, I put the childishness behind me. And the childishness that I put behind me is that I know everything. The childishness that I put behind me is that my knowledge is complete. The, not, the, the childishness that I put behind me is that, well, this is what we're saying, and this is what we know right now, and this is the best way to do it. And equally, well, the Holy Ghost said this to me. So since the Holy Ghost said this to me, then this must be exactly what to do. The truth of the matter is just like with the hot lava, you are going from knowledge to prophecy. You get to knowledge and you look around. You're trying to figure out how you're going to get to the place where God wants you to get to. And a part of what is a part of all of this is the unknown. Because you don't know what you know until you know more. You think you know until you start to know. Then when you start to know, then you really know. You think you know marriage until you start to do it. Start talking about everybody else's marriage. To get, get in your own. Get your own one. And then you can comment on it. Don't write a book. Don't say nothing about it. Ain't nothing more crazy than somebody writing a book about it. Been married two years. Like you just got here. You need to just be quiet because you ain't even hardly done this. You think you know something about kids till you have your own cheerings. You see other people with kids, you're like, I wish they could control that little child till you get your own little version of yourself. And then you realize uh, you said you'd never beat till you got your baby anyway. All I'm saying is, is you don't know till you get there. Then when you get there, your eyes are open and you're like, "Woo! this being a pastor thing is a whole nother thing. You think you want to be the leader till you end up being leader. Then when you leader, you're like, hey, is anybody else interested in leading? I'm going to make you an elder, 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 make you an elder. Matter of fact, right now, everybody in this whole room, I elderize you right now because I need help. You think you want to be boss to your boss. Think you want your own business till you get your own business. You think you want to be partner till you become partner. You think you want a man till you get a man. Then when you get a man, you're like, oh, Jesus, look at this. You think you want a woman until she's like, ah, you think you want that until you have it. Then when you get it, you now have a whole nother level of knowledge. And at that point, if you don't say, Jesus, help me. I don't know who I'm talking to here in the room, around the world. Jesus, you're going to help me. You're going to have to help me with these employees. You're going to have to help me with this new position. You're going to have to help me with this. Now you are looking for God to give a word to you because you are in the unknown zone. You will never, I will never be successful if I'm not okay with not knowing which way to take. I, I'm sorry if you are sitting here and acting like you always knew what to do 
You are a liar. I'm going to do, do an altar call for liars right now. You are a liar. If you are sitting here right now and you're successful and you're like, oh, no, 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 by the Holy Ghost, no, no, no. I knew I was going to have a brown house. You are being overly spiritual and fake. You are a liar. I, come on now. Don't make me call you out. Most of us who are blessed of the Lord are in a place where we don't know how we got here. We almost don't recognize who's around us. We sit here and think if it had not been for the Lord on my side, actually, I've got stuff I didn't even ask for. Anybody who really has a relationship with the Lord is somebody that gives God suggestions. You stopped trying to tell God what to do a long time ago. You said, now, Lord, if it be your will, let this happen and that happen. But if you got something better for me, if you've got a better way, if you've got a faster way, Lord, don't let me mess my own blessing up. Listen, Lord, listen to me as long as I'm not talking crazy. Because you've got a testimony of stuff you asked God to do that he did not do. And you were mad about it in the moment until later on you look back and said, you know what, Lord? It is a good thing you are sovereign. It is a good thing you are God all by yourself. Because that never would have worked. I'm trying to minister to a spirit. I'm trying to get us delivered from a spirit. From a demonic presence. The demonic presence is you have to know. It's a demonic presence. It is a presence meant to keep you from ever getting to a place of success. You will never get to a place of success if you have to know where you're going to end up. The most important thing for God to say to you is to start moving. So you feel an unction of the Holy Ghost and you move. And the Lord says, now, when you get to that spot, I want you to stand still for a second. Just chill for a minute. Because when you get to this place, there's going to be some knowledge that's going to come. And there's going to be some prophecy that's going to come. You can't run headlong in your prophecy and you can't run headlong in your knowledge. I'm so disturbed, beloved, by having conversations with millennials who are missing out. My generation, good God, we just need prayer. Xers and millennials who we are missing out because... Tragedy and trauma made us require being sure. I'm just going to say that one more time. Where what the enemy does is he brings some kind of trauma in your life. He makes something unsure in your life. He makes something unstable. And as a result of that instability, you now connect that instability with the trauma. And you connect that trauma with the pain. And now you're trying to avoid that instability at all costs. I just recently had a conversation with a wonderful couple, and I said to them, she, he, she was saying something about, we, I just wanted to make sure we have stability, and I st said, stability, there is no stability. There is no such thing 
as stability. Quieter than God. No such thing as stability. As stable as we think this room is right now, let an earthquake happen. Let the right storm hit this building. As wonderful as that it's built, it is built to withstand a certain amount of storm and a certain amount of rain, but let the right storm hit you. I'm just going to spread my hands across the whole room because I'm trying to get us delivered. Lord, deliver me so that we will not be afraid of the storms. We want some kind of storm-free living. We want some kind of storm-free life. We, some, we want some kind of life that's insured against any kind of pain or any kind of difficulty or any kind of trauma or any kind of hurt and any kind of stability so that we require stability when stability is not the key to success. That stability is something to, I, get, I got you. Stability is something to be gained, but it is not something to be gained at the expense of blessing. If right now you're in a stable place and there is an opportunity for God to bless you in a supernatural way, the worst thing to do is to sacrifice the possibility of amazing blessing for right now short-term stability especially if you younger than 50 I'm leaning in to see if anybody can say anything to me something happens when you get 60 and 70 and 80 and you start thinking okay I ain't gonna be here forever but if you are 40 years old you have no reason to be afraid if you are 35 years old, you have no reason to be afraid. You have so much life, you could lose everything and make it all back. 35 is when I did the biggest risks. That's when I did the craziest stuff. I did the craziest stuff at 25. I did the craziest things at 35. I took the biggest risks at 40. I believed. I don't know what God's going to do, but I know that I'm not going to settle just because I don't know what's next. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. If we are requiring that God shows us the end before we start walking, he will not take us anywhere. There is an action. There is a part of God. It's not just God being this way. It's how life works. It's how life works. Prophecy is impartial. I don't care what kind of prophetic word you got. It is impartial. It is not perfect. You're going to have to be all right with some unknown. You're going to have to be all right with some, well, God's got it. You're going to have to be all right with some, well, we're going to see what God's going to do. I have done everything that I know to do, and now I'm waiting to see how God is going to step in. I'm waiting to see how this thing is going to turn because I'm in control of me, but I'm not in control of you. Prayer and the Holy Ghost ain't witchcraft. I can't put a Holy Ghost spell on you and make you do something. So there's an unknown once I deal with you. So I know in part and I prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, the imperfect is done away with. We ask that question. All right, Pastor Andy, what's the point you're making? Well, the point I'm making is that the way to success is an unknown way. 
The way to success is an unknown way. I don't care what kind of school you go to, I don't care what education you have, I don't care what kind of master's degree you get. That's all wonderful, but I'm telling you right now, if you're going to get to real success, there's going to be some stuff that you're not going to know. There's going to be some risks. There's going to be some scary. There's going to be some fear. How do I navigate it? I see it when I look at Genesis, and we are the seed of Abraham, and so I want us to be delivered from this spirit because as Abraham's children, by faith, we are supposed to be able to do the things that Abraham did. Amen. And so he's, the Lord says to Abram, I want you to go from your country. I want you to go from your people. I want you to go from your father's household to the land I will show you. I'll show you when you get there. I want you to start walking before I tell you where you're going to be. Anybody in the room, this is your testimony. This is, this is literally my testimony. The greatest gift, some of the greatest blessings in my life has happened when I was like, well, I don't know. I guess I'm going to be like Abraham and I'm going, to go, I'm going to obey the voice of the Lord even though I don't know where I'm going. How do you do this? How do you navigate the unknown? How do you play this hot lava game in life? Well... By looking at Abraham, a part of what I've said initially, it started in last Sunday. I didn't get to finish it. I'm going to finish it right now. i got 20 minutes. As I said, number one, we, what, you, you have to ask yourself, and that question is, well, what do you know? The Bible says that we know in part and we prophesy in part. You don't start with prophecy. You start with knowledge. If anyone ever prophesies something to you that you've never heard before, you never thought about it, it's, prophecy is given for confirmation and encouragement. The prophetic word is a confirming word. This is not the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit has been given, just to clarify. So somebody gives you a prophetic word, understand the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. It is an impartial gift, and it's absolutely possible for somebody to give you a prophetic word that ain't God. Just because somebody says, yea, and the Lord would say unto you, doesn't mean that it's yea, and the Lord saying it unto you. Because it could be them. Could be them. Could be the Bible. They could just quote scripture. Folks try to do this to me all the time. Pastor Andy, I have a word for you. First of all, I don't receive a whole lot of word from everybody because I don't know the spirit. I don't let everybody lay hands on me. I don't know who I'm talking about. I don't let, let everybody lay hands on me. I don't let everybody pray over me. I don't know what you're going to pray. I need to know you. People that pray for me, I know. I got a group that I asked to pray for me, led by Elder Paul. People who know people, I know. I know folk who I know. I don't want no kind of curses or I don't want nothing over me. I don't. You want to be careful about who you let touch you and say over you and touch. You got to be careful who you let put your hands on. Oh my Lord, who prays over your child? Who you? You got to be. The Bible says you got to be careful with who you eat with. This thing is serious. And so, folk come to me all the time. Oh, I have a word for you. And I'm like, okay, what's the word? And nine times out of ten, the word is something from the Bible. What I'm saying to you is, you don't start at prophecy, you start at knowledge. So, 
the, the initial question is, well, what do you know? Now, just by looking at Abraham and his story, I see some things that we should know. I said last Sunday, if you were here or not, I'm not going to, to break it down because I want to finish this, this concept today. But I said, number one, you need to know God's voice. If you were here, I said, you need to know God's voice. You need to practice knowing the voice of the Lord. You need to practice it. You need to know his voice. You need to be familiar with it. I remember when I first started hunting, and I was hunting with, with my hunting pastor, uh, you know, which is one of armor bearers, and I'm his pastor, but he's my hunting pastor. And I was, I was going hunting with him. Garland, take me hunting. So I, we going somewhere, and we're hunting, and we're in some place, and I'm on my four-wheeler, and I've got my glasses on and my camouflage, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just sitting there quiet, waiting as the elders of hunting decide what we're going to do. I'd only been hunting for like a year or two, and so I'm, I'm, I'm new to the thing. I've only killed a couple of deer, and I'm listening to these old country dudes. Strap this down and do this. Put that over there. And so I'm sitting there listening to them. And I'm just sitting on my four-wheeler just waiting for them to bring the dogs and run the dogs and this. I'm not saying a word. I got shades on, hunting shades, hat, all of it. Sitting there quiet. Maybe six, seven, eight, maybe even ten men that were there that were all there. And we're there. And we had given each, other, each other's numbers because we were about to dog hunt and block off, blah, blah, blah. And finally, Garland said to me, you ready to go? And I said, yeah, I'm ready. And when I said, yeah, I'm ready, one of the gentlemen that was with us said to me, talk again. Talk again. And I said, yeah, I said, I'm ready. He said, take them shades off. Took my shades off. He said, Pastor Andy. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm doing recreational stuff, I don't like everybody to know who I is. Because people get all deep. Oh, I'm like, dude, we are not here for a Holy Ghost. We are here to hunt. We are here to get some blood. Anyway, that's what we're here for. I didn't say anything. But he recognized my voice. Me. Who the heck am I for my voice to be recognized? And you don't, don't know. Don't know Beyonce's voice and don't know God's voice. Don't know Jay-Z's voice and don't know God's voice. Don't know Drake's voice and don't know God's voice. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible. Pastor Andy's voice and, and you don't know are you saying you recognize my voice and can't recognize God's voice don't recognize Jake's voice and can't recognize God's voice don't recognize Joyce Meyer's voice and you can't recognize God's voice don't recognize Sarah Jake's voice and you can't recognize God's voice don't you dare recognize the late great Charles Stanley's voice and you don't know if God is talking if there's anybody's voice you ought to know it ought to be the Lord. If anybody ought to be able to interrupt you, it ought to be God. If anybody ought to be able to tap you on your shoulder and pull your coattail and say, be quiet for a second, it ought to be God. 
You need to say, hold on, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. God is talking to me. Yes, Lord. When God speaks to you, it is serious. God's not going to speak to you and tell you what cereal to eat this morning. Whoever says that, they just lie and they just being overly spooky deep spiritual. They got God talking to them all the time. Read your Bible. God talks to people very sparingly. But when he talks, he got something to say. Lord, don't talk like he's six. Lord, don't talk like he's five, like he's always just blah, 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 blah. No. When God actually opens up his mouth to say something to you, you've got to be careful that you don't miss it. But you got to recognize his voice. We said, number one, that we need to know God's voice. Number two, the Lord says to Abram, go from your country, go from your people, Go from your father's household to the land I will show you. Number two, you need to know your personal parental history. You have to know your personal and your parental history. You cannot go forward if you don't know where y'all have been. You need to know where you've been and for nothing else to help give clarity to where you're going. This is a part of the reason why my great suggestion significantly right now is that everybody needs to have some kind of conversation with their father, their biological father. Everybody needs to have a conversation with him. He wasn't there for you, I got you. But just because he wasn't there for you, just because he wasn't everything doesn't mean that he can't be something. But it would behoove you to have a conversation with him, if nothing else, to hear his side. And nobody say amen on that one. But then it would be good for you to know where he's from. Where are they from? What do they fight? What do they have? Did they have high blood pressure? Is the you need to know what your history is. If you are going to know what kind of curses you're going to break. If you know that God will redeem you from the curse of the law. Then you need to know what kind of generational curses have plagued your people. So that you can know how to pray. So that you can know what demons you're fighting. Can I tell you something? You're fighting the same demons your grandmama was fighting. You fight the same demons that your granddaddy was fighting. And you need to know them demons so you can at least know how to fight them. It's very difficult to go forward if you don't know where you're from. Now, I, just really quickly, I don't know if you know this, but... In Abraham's history, we barely even really focus on this, but if you look at, for, at chapter 11, in chapter 11, and I'm just going, it, it, it gives the account of Abraham's father. So it says, Terah became the father of Abram, that's Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was alive, Haran died. In Ur, in the land of his birth. 
Abram and Nahor, that's his brother. Their other brother, their third brother, Haran, is dead. He had a son, Lot. So Lot is Abram's nephew from his brother who died in Ur. Y'all there, you with me? There's three brothers, Abraham, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran dies where they from. They give their wives names. Verse 31 says, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran who died, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. So we think about Abraham on this, on this journey to Canaan, but the one who actually started the journey to Canaan was actually his daddy. Man, this is a word. This is a word. This is a word to somebody in this room. This is a word to somebody that's watching because many of us are on a journey that our parents started. Your mama started this journey. Your daddy started. They, they prayed. They got on this journey. They never. Because what happened to Terah is that it says they set out from Ur to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Meaning that Terah was on his way to the promised land. But he came to a town named that had the exact same name as his dead son. And because the town was named after his son that he lost, he stayed in the town that was named like his son that was lost because he chose his grief over the possibility of his blessing. Oh, help us, Holy Ghost. It is possible for you to be stuck in the thing that caused you trauma. It is possible for you to be in a place named after your pain and can't go forward to what God has for you. I rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. You cannot be held back by your past trauma. I rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus. This is what happened to his daddy. His father was held back by pain. I want everybody to wrap your heal the Holy Ghost. Wrap your arms around yourself. If you're watching, wrap your, around, your arms around yourself. Lord, heal us. Heal us. Of the, Lord, this is the second time by the Holy Ghost. Somehow I'm sitting here talking about trauma. Lord, heal us supernaturally of the attack of the enemy, of the attack of our past, of the pain. Lord, help us to seek some therapy and some counseling and get some wisdom because we don't want to stay in Haran. We want to go on to the promised land, but Lord, the pain is so great. God, the betrayal was so great that we stuck there. Lord, forgive us. For, for, for not allowing you to lead us where you want us to be. Heal us in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. You ought to know at least two, three generations of your people. You ought to be able to tell me your granddaddy's story. You ought to be able to tell me your grandmama's story. If you don't know your grandmama's story, you don't know you. Don't you dare read everybody's Wikipedia story and don't know your own. 
Tina Turner had gone on to her reward. And I, I, all of a sudden, I was interested. I, I went and read, you can learn more about, don't know more about anime. Don't know more about her than you know about your own folk. Ask the questions. Figure it out. Face your pain. Get over yourself. He wasn't there for you. I got you. Get over it. Forgive him. He's a human. At least figure out where he came from and where y'all came from. At least know your history. Don't make me start talking about black people. We know everybody's history and don't know our own. Go to school and don't take a black history course. We are doomed to repeat a history that we are unaware of. Part of the reason why the Bible gives you the generation to generation to generation address is because it is important to know where you're coming from if you're going to know where you are going. You cannot know where you're going if you don't know where you're from. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm going to speak this over you and me. I know where I'm from. I know where they came from. I know the trauma. I know what went on. I know my granddaddy was an orphan. I know how that stuff happened. And after I heard the story, I decided that the curse was broken over me. And the stuff that the devil, I'm speaking of, the stuff that the devil was trying to perpetrate on my generations, I said, oh, that cycle going to stop right here the devil is a lie at least I know what devils I'm fighting number three number three he says God says to him leave and I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. I'll be a blessing to you. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who curse you. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Number three, know your promise. Know your promise. Now, this is Abraham's promise. And Abraham's promise is a pretty amazing promise. Because God promises him that he's going to make him a great nation. My God, make our nation great. God, make our people great. He says, I'm going to bless you. As a result of your nation being great, I'm going to bless you. You got to know your own nation. You have to have a conversation with your own family. I'm having a conversation with my family today. We're having a conversation today. Today's my son's birthday. And so we're going out today to have a conversation. And one of the things that we're going to do today is we are going to discuss what our family model. What is our family's vision? What is our family's goal? What is the statement of us? Who are we? What are we about? What means success for us? Because I'm asking God to make our name great. You ought to ask God to make your name great. It's a, it's a wonderful promise. He asked God to make it. God said, I'll make your name great. God says, I'm going to bless those who bless you, and I'm going to curse those who curse you. That's such an amazing promise because you don't have to worry about what anybody negative got to say about you. You can say, oh, you can curse me if you want to. 
I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where folk curse you or curse you out or say something about you. Folk don't like you. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with that because God said, well, I got your back. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. Number four, what's the fourth thing that Abraham knew? Number four, Abraham knew how to obey. It says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him. The ability to obey no questions asked is something to know. Something to know. It's something to be taught. And it's something to know. I say you obey. It's something to know. It's something to teach. For all of us in here who are children, it is something to know. When I say come here, you come here. It is something to know. For all of us who are parents, it is something to teach. I say be careful, you be careful. Because if you cannot obey, you and God are going to have a problem. Not only are you going to have a problem with God, you're going to have a problem with the boss, you're going to have a problem with money, you're going to have a problem with a husband, you're going to have a problem with life. You're going to have a problem with life if you can't obey. Bible says Abram obeyed even though he didn't really know where he was going. His lack of knowledge did not keep him from obeying. Got quiet on this point, Elder Paul. But being able to obey in ignorance is a dying Art. We just need way too much explanation. You know why? Because we were given too much explanation. Well, I want you to go brush your teeth because if you don't brush your teeth, then you're going to get cavities and then you're going to get a gum disease and it could affect you. And so when I say you brush your teeth, it's time for you to go brush your teeth. Why? Because brushing your teeth is important. You want your breath to smell right, don't you? Nobody three cares about their breath. But it's so good, and that's why you, you are. You're, whereas if you, were set, if you were taught, brush your teeth because I said so. Because I said so. You better get down there and brush them teeth before you don't have no teeth. What I'm saying is, it's too much. There's a, there's a time for a certain amount of explanation, but then there's a time to just do what you're told. Nobody got no time to have a discussion with you about your teeth. It's time for bed because I said it's time for bed. But I'm not tired. Who asked you if you was tired? You'll be tired after I beat you. You'll be tired after you cry. These tears will make you good and tired. Somebody's mama said, good and tired. That's right. What do you mean you're not tired? Who asked you if you was tired? It's not your world. It ain't on your timeline. You better hurry up and obey. If we don't teach you that, what's going to happen when you get to school? What's going to happen when you get to life? What's going to happen? Number five. It says, and Lot went with him. Number five, you got to know who you're taking with you. 
You got to know, might, might I suggest something for your consideration and my own, Lord, help us? Is that a part of the reason why some of us are stuck is because we have not dropped enough baggage to make the trip. I don't know if I'm the only one where the Lord blessed me after a certain amount of people left me. I was mad that they left me until the Lord blessed me. And then I realized, you know what, Lord, you know what? You didn't want them to get none of this. You actually didn't want them to get any. You were waiting for me to be all right with them leaving so that you could actually bless me. Because if you had blessed me when they were here, they would have got a piece of what you had for me. And it wasn't for them. It was for me. I'm so glad they left. Because they were wolves in sheep's clothing. Because they weren't really for you. They were just about themselves. And they didn't really care about you. They only cared what you could do for them. And it wasn't until you went through your dark place. It wasn't until you went through your broke place. That you found out, you know what? They were only fair weather friends. And you got to be careful who you take with you somewhere. Just because they family don't mean they should go. I need to say that again. Just because they got your blood don't mean they ought to go. The Bible told us he took Lot with him. How'd that turn out? Not very good. It's possible to be loyal to losers. You better know who's going. You better look around. You better figure out who you taking with you. I'm almost done. Anybody hearing a word from the Lord? I really am almost done. No, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm over time. Okay, let's go. Number six says Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Number six, you got to know what time it is. got to know what time it is. You have to actually know how old you are. Well, age is just a number. <laughs> it is till you die. Sure, age is just a number, but it'd be good to know it. You're not going to live forever. Bible says, Abram, it told us his age so that we will know that time is a factor. God lives outside of time. You live in it. You don't have forever. You're 25. You don't have forever. You're 23. You don't have forever. You're 31, you don't have forever. You're 34, you don't have forever. 40, you don't have forever. 45, you don't have forever. You're 50, you ain't got forever. Well, I figured I'm going to get here and get there, and then I'm going to have my babies. How old are you? 41. You better be careful, girl. Can't have babies forever. Them eggs get old. So I don't know what I say amen on that one. I got to get my career goals. Stop, Pastor Andy. I'm sorry. Can't have babies forever. Can't play in the NBA forever. I'm 72. Time for me to play in the NBA. How old are you? 61. Time for you to sit down here and watch. You missed your time. Never too late. It's too late for you. How long do you have? And then number seven. Says Abram was 75 years when he set out from Haran. You got to know where you are. 
Where are you? You can't know where you're going if you don't know where you are. And it's hard to know where you are if you're in denial. This is a word for me. Because I don't want nobody bringing me no bad news. I just want happiness and joy and peace. I want smiles. I want Netflix shows. I just want everything to be wonderful. My son came in from work the other day, and he's coming in my room looking kind of down, and he's like, oh, I need to talk. And I was like, first of all, is this about me? He was like, no. I was like, okay, is this about any of your brothers? He was like, no. I said, oh, okay, come on, let's go. Share away. I don't need no more problems. I don't know who I'm talking about. I have enough problems. When my phone rings, I'm like, who it is? Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, you know it's drama. Don't even answer. What happened? I called you last week. What happened last week was I didn't want no drama. So we lie to ourselves. We tell ourselves we have more money than we do. We drug the nagging feeling. As I was about to turn 50, I had this nagging feeling. I had a nice house. I was in my almost 40, almost 50. I had a pretty nice house. But I had a nagging feeling. Every time I drove down the driveway, I got anxious. First, I figured something's wrong with me. I go see a counselor. I got to go see this. Well, get, give me some drugs. I don't want to have this nervous, anxious feeling. But inevitably, I said, well, Lord, maybe this anxious feeling is because you're trying to get my attention. Long story short, I found out that I was upside down in that house. I mean, I just knew I had equity, but I, I knew I did. I knew I did. I hadn't asked anyone to tell me. I just knew it. I'm sure I have equity. I'm sure. I'm sure I have equity. Sure I do. I'm sure I do. This house is definitely worth more than what I paid for it. In the name of Jesus. But every time I drove down the driveway, I couldn't. I mean, I couldn't sleep. Finally, I brought someone to give me an appraisal, and they told me that the house was not worth what I owed. I don't live in that house anymore. Now I live in a house that's worth way more. But the only way I got there was I first had to accept where I was. <laughs> I had to deal with the trauma of where I was. I had to deal with the fact that I had bought the house at the top of the market and now it's not there. I couldn't bury my head in the sand. I'm getting old. I need to know. You need to know. You have a nagging pain. Get it checked out. You need to know. Your heart beating too fast. Go get a stress test. You need to know. You can't know how to get to the next place if you don't know where you are now. He knew he was in Haran. He knew how far he had to go. I rebuke the fear, not just of the unknown, but of the known. 
Know where you're going. Know how much time you have left. Know God is able. But you know in part, then you prophesy in part. Jump on your feet. Let me pray for you. Anybody hear a word from the Lord today? Let's pray. This is it, right? It's final prayer, right? A whole bunch of stuff in the bulletin. So glad you came to worship with us. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for this word. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. Thank you that the entrance of your word sheds light. And as we walk in the light, as you're in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Thank you for living so big in us today. Thank you for this awesome service that we had today. Thank you for your anointing that destroys the yoke. Dismisses from this place, but never from your presence. Covers with your blood as we leave, as we go home. Even right now, Lord, it's empanadas, right? Empanadas out there, right? And so the empanada Sunday, right? Okay, so Lord, we are, we, are, we are supporting the projects of hope, the trip that's about to happen with Kenya and the work that's about to happen there. And so, Lord, we've eaten spiritual food in here. Now there's some physical food out that we can purchase to support this cause. God, I thank you for blessing us and watching over us and making us a blessing, strengthening us to navigate the unknown, have your way in us, bring us back on Sunday. Thank you for this group. Thank you for everyone that watched around the world. Have your way in us. And God, we pray, let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. For God, you're our rock, you're our redeemer. We love you. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. Amen. So in case you missed that, listen. They're, we're, they're, they're selling projects of hope. They're selling empanadas. You can't miss it, okay? It's to support the projects of hope. Kenya project that's about to happen in August, October, September. So if you want to support us, help support that, help give to that, you can purchase empanada. Counseling center has tables out too. Also, if you need counseling, the counseling center has, has tables out there too. All minds clear? Okay. Peace. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.